One of the biggest complaints I hear about the Olympics is it's so commercialized. Yep. It's a business, a super fit, fun, sexy business. But somebody's got to pay for all that fun. And there would be no Olympics without Olympic sponsors. Now, a good Olympic ad should make you feel inspired. You're sitting on the couch. You're watching the ad. You should feel inspired to get off that couch this summer. Maybe you will. Maybe you won't. But you should at least think about it. My guest today is Yin Rani. She is one of the people behind one of the biggest Olympic campaigns this summer. And she's going to take us behind the scenes of how you put one of these campaigns together, especially coming out of this year. Yin is a graduate of Yale. She has an MBA from the Stern School of Business at NYU. She's been named a brand innovator, top 50 women in marketing, working mother of the year by She Runs It. She's a marketing exec who has worked with huge brands like Campbell's Soup. And these days she's washing off the workday with milk, working with the milk processor education program, aka Got Milk. Now, Got Milk, you might remember from the, the, the 90s, um, one of the most iconic campaigns of that time. Remember the, the celebrities had the milk mustaches? Well, Got Milk is a big Olympic sponsor, and you're going to see a lot of ads leading up to the games. It's committed $30 million to its Olympic campaign. So it was Yen's job to give Got Milk a modern makeover, and she's doing it with some of the Olympics' newest stars in sports. And the tagline, you're going to need milk for that, which is pretty clever. We'll find out where that all came from and how they knew it was a winner. I'm this dying to ask the tone that sponsors need to strike this year coming out of a pandemic. What Yin has learned about resiliency and mindset working with Olympic athletes, the lengths producers went to to make sure athletes stay healthy on all those shoots due to COVID. And at the very end, we'll play the which Olympic sport do you wish you could do game? I love that game. I could play that game all day long. My guest today is Yin Rani and Dying to Ask. Olympians, they're just different. Sure, they're fitter and faster, but they're mentally different too. Because when the body breaks down, the Olympic mindset takes over. And this year, with the first ever delayed Olympics, that mindset is more important than ever. My name is Deirdre Fitzpatrick, and I have covered the last 10 Olympics for Hearst Television. 20 years of studying and, well, obsessing about how Olympians do life. These are the stories of how Team USA's athletes get to the top of a podium and how you can get some Olympic edge in your life coming out of one of the most challenging years ever for all of us. This is Dying to Ask, The Road to Tokyo. Yin Rani, thank you for being on the Dying to Ask podcast. We're excited to have you on today. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. You know, I think um, I, I certainly look forward to Olympic advertising because I always find it so inspiring <laughs> this time of year. You know, I mean, I love I love the concept of the little vignettes that all the different sponsors are able to work in their ads. And I find myself, I think we're in a world where a lot of us are trying to skip through commercials, we <laughs> I find myself stopping because I want to hear the little stories. How exciting was it to work with Olympians on the latest Got Milk ads? I mean, it was really exciting. We've done this a few times before, but it was particularly special this year, given all the disruption of last year. And um, I mean, the athletes have worked so hard to stay committed to their sport, to be ready for this round. And as you say, for Milk, um, it's just great to see the really authentic um, stories of how Milk factors into their lives, both how they grew up and how it fits into the training regimes today. And so um, you know, we'll be able to share those stories shortly with everybody, but we were very privileged to have them share them with us. 
What, um, what was the most surprising thing to you about working with Olympic athletes? I mean, you have a very established, interesting career, but had you ever worked with Olympians before? Because I, having done this now for 20 years with Olympians, they're not like the rest of us. They're very different. <laughs> you no, know what I mean? Like they're, I mean, in the obvious ways and the not so obvious ways, they're very different. No, that's a great question because I have worked with lots of different kinds of celebrities and athletes and influencers in my career, but never Olympians and exactly what you said. I mean, I think the thing that was the most maybe surprising was just they're so down to earth. I mean, they're, I mean, they're on the one hand, extraordinary human beings at the peak of physical perfection, so dedicated, have made such sacrifice and the things they can do for their sport are just mind blowing and we'll showcase some of that. But they were really um, wonderful, lovely, down-to-earth human beings. Um, you know, so grateful to be involved with the milk campaign. So generous with their times and their stories. And I don't know what I expected, because as you know, not all professional athletes <laughs> are always like that. No, <laughs> it, was, uh, it was great, and they were just really um, great human beings, as well as being great um, athletes. Sometimes I sit back when I, I meet some of them and number one, they're, they're children. Now at this point in my life, I look at them and they're so young, but I look at them. I'm like, wow, you skateboard for a living. You're a professional karate athlete. You're like, I look at it like that is really cool. And so different than, you know, what you and I do professionally. It's hard to wrap your head around it really. Right. Isn't it? I mean, this, um, and not just when they compete, but what I was struck is just that how their whole lives have to be organized around being ready to compete. Um, and I, I thought it's easier said than done, especially. especially. Yeah. And one thing that's interesting about our team milk is such a nice range of individuals, different sports, you know, many new sports that we're bringing back. And as you, as you say, some very young athletes um, like Hannah and Ariel. But we're also really grateful to feature Kat Osterman, you know, who is uh, returning with the softball sport this time. And she was, I think, when she first competed, the very youngest on the softball team. And now she's coming back as a real veteran out of retirement as the oldest on her team and now a, a, a working mother, basically. So we love showcasing mm -hmm. that range. Um, and it's, I mean, she's tremendous and a real rock star to stay at the level of competition that she's in at this whole time. Exactly. Yeah. And then you have, you know, Mario McCoy with skateboarding and Ariel, as you were mentioning with karate and Hannah Roberts and BMX. I mean, you have all these sports that Tokyo is bringing in for this Olympics that are edgy and young and fun. So as you started crafting the milk campaign, how did you go about it? Because I mean, I think a lot of us go back to the nineties and one of the most iconic ad campaigns ever was got milk. I mean, like it's still, you remember seeing those spots. Yeah, I mean, the campaign hasn't been used nationally for six or seven years. Though in California, they've been using it. And there's still 77% of Americans recall the line. And so we actually brought it back um, last year um, as in response to the Olympics being moved. And then, as you say, a lot of it was about showcasing remarkable people. I think that's what people think about when they think of that iconic campaign of the print ads. And so we really thought the Olympics was a great chance to showcase you know truly remarkable human beings competing but for us a lot of what we're trying to do is to prompt reconsideration have people think about milk in a slightly different way mm -hmm. so picking these more emerging sports um, is was super intentional um, you know in the milk community there's lots and lots of sports being used across the board but for these sort of hero team milk athletes we really wanted to pick slightly more unexpected sports and then we're showcasing today as you know an epic film where we have a young rock climber 
sky scaling a skyscraper um, because rock climbing is also one of the sports that's coming for the first time to the Olympics. So it was very deliberate to your point to bring unexpected sports to make people think about milk in an unexpected way because we want people to understand that milk is the ultimate training fuel. Um, even if you're going for the Olympics or you're just going for a run or you're trying to get on the varsity yeah. team, milk plays a role in that and we wanted to sort of um, get people's attention. In, in crafting the new campaign, the new tagline um, is you're going to need milk for that. How did how do you go about coming up with a line like that? How, what's the process? How long does it take to know that's it? That's the one we want. That's the one they'll be saying in 20 years. I know it's a great question. This is probably not the most typical process because um, we are working with a new agency partner for the first time. We gave them a brief as part of the selection process around the Olympics. And honestly, um, they had done a lot of strategy work about how milk fuels passions. I think that is the sort of underlying idea of how critical milk is. But honestly, when they came in with this line, we just fell in love with it the first time. And it had so much and so many ways you could use it. It was a perfect vehicle for the Olympics. It doesn't usually work that way, Deirdre. Usually there can be a couple of rounds and back and forth. Right. And maybe we'll test this and maybe we'll take it there. And can you adjust this? But this one was just perfect. It was really just perfect. And we have, we continue to think of it as a gift that keeps on giving. There's so many things you can do with it. Um, and it's, again, sort of just speaks to how um, essential uh, the nutrients that you find in milk are and the role that milk plays in everyday lives and the lives of great athletes. It's really a feeling when you hit something though, isn't it? Like when you, you're like, oh, that's, I mean, I feel like when I'm writing a line for a story, I'm like, oh, that's it. <laughs> that, yeah. That's it. You just, it's a feeling and that's advertising in general is creating that feeling, invoking that emotion. So that hopefully it leads to sales, but it also leaves a lasting impression. Yeah, it's great when it happens. It doesn't happen as often as one would wish. I mean, I can think of my own past <laughs> year career, how many times it's happened to me. Yeah. And I've usually been proud of the outcome. I can literally count on one hand, probably, Deirdre, after dozens and dozens. But those are probably pretty, those are probably pretty good odds though. Yeah, and that's probably still pretty good in your profession. I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm grateful for what it has happened. And, you know, and I'm also used to it when you sort of have to slog your way through to the end. But this was definitely one of these kind of lightning in the bottle moments. Yeah, that's great. Was it difficult uh, working in advertising and creating campaigns during COVID? I know we certainly in news have worked under bizarre restrictions at times. What did you have to do with the athletes? Did that? How did you work around that? Yeah, I mean, we shot this year, so definitely much easier than last year, I think. But, you know, there was, I think, a very appropriate sort of COVID restrictions and testing and making sure on set everyone was masked when they weren't filming. Um, and having tests before and tests after, because of course we want to look after everybody's health carefully, but particularly for the athletes, you know, we never want to jeopardize their competitive chances, particularly with trials, et cetera, et cetera. So um, it was a bit of an unusual set with maybe more social distancing and more parameters, mm -hmm. but I think the outcome is still really strong. And fortunately, um, I think people have had a little bit of more practice now, you know, in the spring of this year versus when first everything went down. And um, so I think it, it went off uh, more smoothly than we could have hoped, I think. Can you talk a little bit about the role of authenticity in making a connection with customers these days? I mean, you hear, I feel like the word authentic, authentic and authenticity are so overused anymore because you hear them everywhere and I don't know that they mean what they used to mean. But when it comes to trying to make a connection and having a really great story to sell something, Olympians are tailor-made for that. 
Yeah, I sometimes like to think of the word real instead of authentic because it's become such a buzzword. And I think for mm -hmm. us, particularly this campaign tilts um, younger in the sweet spot to tweens and teens. And as you know, they have a really high um, sort of meter of what they will allow into their lives. And so I think- <laughs> I, have, um, I have 12 and 15 year old sons, I'm very aware. <laughs> I have a 14 and a half and I will give them away to you. <laughs> you get it too. You want <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so I think, you know, they, they, are, they have just have a really high stiff test of how they decide and they expect so much, I think, access into their influencers' lives. And so the great thing about athletes and Olympic athletes, to your point, is their stories are real. I mean, we don't. Yeah. And it's maybe easier for milk than some other categories I've operated in. It's not hard to find great athletes who love milk, et cetera, et cetera. And so they can testify to their stories without too much scripting, et cetera, et cetera. And even actually on set, we had some prepared questions for them. And then we ended up doing a lot of candid, um, kind of conversations and frankly that was the best and that's what ended up in the final cuts mostly and there's one I won't give it away because it doesn't launch for a few more days but like he literally I think his story literally had the set like in tears like people were like wow um yeah. and so stay tuned for that one when it breaks but um and people can tell people are very sophisticated marketers in their own way and very sophisticated about storytelling and so I think it's harder and harder to script things that just aren't real yeah, no, it's really true. I mean, I feel like marketing and reaching people has changed so much in not only the last 10 years, but certainly in even the last year when uh, people haven't left their homes. And like we are talking right now, they're communicating in Zoom boxes. I know this, I mean, this last year feels like a science fiction movie. I always say, well, like the extra, <laughs> the most boring Hollywood movie ever, like when, well, there's a lot right. of saving the world this is what the rest of us are doing in the background trying to find toilet paper and buy clothes and, and things like that so yeah i mean who who would have thought right we're starting to open our offices very gradually and um i think we're out of practice to be honest which is mm -hmm. like we're used we, we weren't used to this it seemed like how can you possibly conduct business entirely remotely and now we've done it for a year and now we're slowly going back to work and adjusting to that as well. Though having said that, the milk companies of America have stayed really open this whole time. You know, when you have- Well, actually you yeah. guys were booming. This guy, from every, I mean, just, just observational for my house where I felt like I was nonstop having to buy milk over the pandemic. Right. Um, I mean, the milk industry actually boomed during this time. You know, it was it was a silver lining. I mean, it was a be the best year in many, many years. Um, retail sales were up like 7% last year. Um, obviously, there was more challenges on food service and schools, but I think it just showed us when, when people are home, there still is an appetite for milk. Um, and the milk companies worked really hard to get it from the farms to the plants to the stores. And so hats off to them. They didn't always have the privilege of working through Zoom. There was plenty of people out, out there, like all these yeah, putting food out there. So having spent all this time with these Olympians over the last year, what have been your big takeaways about resilience and Olympic mindset? I mean, it's really um, humbling, I guess, for lack of a better <laughs> word, right? I When we were um, moving the original programming and then finding new athletes, I kept saying to myself, I'm never going to complain about my life ever again, because, <laughs> you know, it's one thing for us to move things around and adjust meetings and change flights and move money around. Um, but many of these athletes, I mean, their whole lives were disrupted and they, and there was so little complaining, 
there was just like, okay, well that happened. And now what do I do? Um, and they had both a, a physical consequence in terms of timelines, but also just practical things like, you know, sponsorships and work. And as you know, Deirdre, but it's not like most Olympic athletes are that well supported financially. And so the decision no. to, you know, train for another year to be ready is not a, not a simple one. And just the get on with itness of it and the commitment to, well, I'm, I've always done what it takes and I will continue to do what it takes. Uh, under just like extraordinary circumstances is again, I think humbling is the word that comes to mind. Yeah, I hear them a lot. I hear a lot of them say, and it's usually something they've been coached to control what you can. And I've always thought that's such a great lesson for all of us. And I, I've thought about it a lot just in the last year in my own personal life and with my kids, you know, control what you can. And right now that's not a lot for a lot of people, but your own little world you can control. And I think all those athletes that you've been highlighting in your ads certainly are great examples of that. And people will start seeing their stories kind of everywhere <laughs> until the Olympics come out. So where will we see this new milk campaign? Where should we be looking for the ads? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're spending uh, almost $30 million over the summer. So you'll see it a lot of places, I think. Um, you'll see it in broadcasts, on the kid channels. Um, you'll see it on uh, Facebook and Insta and YouTube. You'll we'll also have a Roblox partnership over time, uh, Whistle Sports. That's um, interesting. Yeah, there's a wide range of wow. um, social and digital channels that we're exploring because we really want to, um, you know, go, go where the audience is, basically. And there are, uh, in those places, we'll be partnering with some sports-based apps. Um, so hopefully you'll see it in lots of places, expect it otherwise. Very good. And... Um, after everything you've learned about the Olympics this year, what sport do you wish you could do in the Olympics? Any of them, Deirdre, <laughs> to be anywhere in that kind of condition for any sport, especially after all my COVID weight gain, I'd take any of them. Um, but I don't know. I mean, the, the karate um, interaction with Ariel was very meaningful. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting, it's coming for the first time. I grew up in Asia, as we were talking about earlier, so maybe have some affinity for it. It's, um, it's a sport that's so physical and so beautiful at the same time. Um, and it is meant to be for fighting, but there's just a grace to it. So, but honestly, if I could be anywhere in that kind of condition for anything, I would play any of those sports. <laughs> I'm with you on that one. And he, he really is a wonderful athlete. We have a podcast with him as well. And I, I definitely enjoyed getting to, to meet him and, and highlight what he's been doing. Well, thank you so much. It was really lovely to talk to you and good luck with the campaign. And I'm sure we'll be seeing it everywhere this summer. Yes. Thank you so much for having me and for giving us a chance to share our story. Absolutely. And, and one last thing, thank you for all that research that proved that chocolate milk is like the best thing ever for runners when they're done with races. <laughs> That was life-changing yes. for me. Yes, you and, you and many. Um, and white milk yes. holds too, right? White milk is also great for rehydration <laughs> and replenishment. Um, but chocolate milk is special and will always have a special place in our hearts. Sometimes I just have the chocolate milk and I skip the run, you know, because it's just that good for me. <laughs> we, we thank you for your business, Deirdre. Whenever you drink it, we're not judging, <laughs> but just grateful. And your son, yeah. please drink more. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, they will, trust me. All right, Ian, thank you so much. All right. Wonderful. Thank you. That was really fun. I learned a lot talking to Yin and I will tell you, I work with a lot of these sponsors connecting with their athletes because quite frankly, it's kind of an easier way to get to a lot of really big names. 
um, because they have commitments to do a certain amount of media. So we have interviewed a lot of the Got Milk athletes, and it's been really fun because they're all representing these sports that will be debuting and showcased in Tokyo. So that part of it's been really great. But the interesting thing that people might not realize is how dependent those athletes are on these sponsorships because they don't get a salary from the USOPC. And these sponsorships for a lot of them are how they keep competing. It's how they pay for equipment, how they pay for travel. It's how they add some credibility to what they've decided will be their career. So the sponsorships are a big deal. And there were Olympic sponsors that couldn't hang in for another year or whose industries took a big hit during the pandemic. So it is nice to see the ones that are still able to hang in and those ads will be pretty much everywhere over the next few months. You can reach out to me. Let me know what you are liking about our Olympic season or what you'd like to have me cover by looking me up on Instagram. You will find me at runreadsip. I do read my direct messages. So if you have a question about the Olympics that you'd like me to answer on one of our upcoming Ask Fitz episodes, make sure you send it to me and I'll see what I can do for you on that. Thank you for listening this week. And if you have a minute and you can leave us a rating or a review on whatever podcast platform that you're listening to the dining ask podcast right now that would be awesome because that friends is really the easiest way for us to grow the show and get more people listening to dying to ask the road to tokyo